name Ali Baker, she, her, an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Swap, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today is slightly different because we're discussing children's boarding school books, but we will maybe cover whether or not we think these are fantasy. Um, Today, I'm joined by Virginia Preston, Navy historian, con runner, singer, crafter, and fan. Hello. What have you Um, been up to recently? Well, along with you, I've been thinking about programme for next year's EasterCon. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But I've also been doing some pottery. Um, I did a a four-week pottery class when we were coming out of lockdown, and I just went back for another one, and I've made a jug shaped like a puffin. (gasps) Absolutely brilliant. But, oh. Well, it's not out of its final firing yet, so I don't know. Well, when it is, but. send me a photo of it and we'll, we'll I'll put it I'll put it on show. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere or other. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I'm just so impressed that so many of my friends, well, our mutual friends, have taken up all sorts of interesting crafts and uh making things. And it's it's that I think has probably been quite a delightful thing about lockdown. I mean, everything yes. else is rubbish, obviously. But yeah, it's, it's mostly rubbish. But crafting, but, and also, I've been swimming, and uh, I love swimming. But yeah. before before pre pandemic, I didn't get to swim very often. I could never work out how to fit it into my day without going around with soggy chlorine hair all day. Um, and um, then I've been going to the Lido and working from home just means I can easily nip over. And I've been swimming this morning and it's just so beautiful. Yeah, that is a lovely thing. It's it's now, I'm a bit of a wimp about cold water. So it's now too cold for me to swim in the sea. But, you know, swimming in the sea was definitely a bonus of lockdown. Um, yes. You know, the, the sea here is always cold because basically I'm swimming in the English Channel. But uh, yeah, it's it's really really too cold now for me, mm. and the app, uh, you know, it's not warm enough on the beach. So yeah, mm. yeah. Well, that, that sounds really really good. So um, yes, this is more of a book swap than a fantasy book swap um, because we're talking boarding school stories. So mm. you chose Cricket Term by Antonia. Forest, who um, the children's literature researcher Victor Watson called um, like the, compared to Jane Austen, which I think is a very, very. I think that's. I don't think that's overstating things. Actually, um, I don't either. Yeah, her elegance of writing is just wonderful. So, can you summarize the plot for me? Well. Such as, as it is. is. <laughs> Such as it is. So I think just um, probably to, to set the context a little bit, she yeah. wrote 10 books about the Marlowe family um, or centred on the Marlowe family. And there are eight children in those in that family, mm. six of whom are girls. And those girls all go to the same school, which is called mm. Kingscut. Um, and four of the books she wrote are set at the school. Mm autumn term, end of term, cricket term and attic term. Cricket term, therefore, is, is the third of these books. 
the school books and Puffin mm-hmm. published those four, yes. but not the holiday ones. Yes. Uh, but Cricket Term was the first of her books that I ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it starts off at very briefly, there's a sort of brief part which is set at their home and then they get the train back to school and then mostly it's basically the story of the, of the summer term, the cricket mm-hmm. term at Kingscote, seen largely from the point of view of Nicola Marlowe who with her twin, Laurie, is, they're, they're the two youngest of the Marlowe family. Um, and right at the beginning, she says to her big sister, I'd love, what I'd really love is to win the Interform Cricket Cup. Mm. And her sister gives her some useful advice on what to do. And that's one of the threads that runs through the term. Um, there's also a school production of The Tempest. Mm. Uh, which both Nicola and Laurie are involved in to some extent. And then there's some sort of mild peril because the possibility is introduced that Nicola might have to leave Kingscote at the end of the school year and go to a different school because her parents might not be able to afford the fees for mm. at that point four of them to carry on attending the school. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of the plot, I would say. Mm. Yes. Um, it's not. The joy of it is is much more in the characters and in their interactions and in, as you say, the prose that she writes. Mm. Yeah, she. I think her insight into the way that Nicola and Laurie think is so good. Mm. And it's the first, I think the first book that I read where I kind of, which made me think people might have mixed motives for what they do, or they might say one thing, but actually mean another thing. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit as a child. (laughs) Absolutely. Sorry, go on. Um, Well, I was just going to say, and actually one of the things, so Nicola Marlowe, I I love Nicola Marlowe. She's, I mean, she's she's she's, uh, between 12 and 14 over the course of the Mm. books, I think. Um, she loves reading. She loves the Royal Navy. Um, mm-hmm. So also point to contact uh, there. Of course, um, yeah. He, she has a very rich imaginative life. Um, she has very strong principles, but she's still working them out. Yeah. And she's working people out. As you, and you see her doing that over the course of the books. And she's a leader. Uh, and I'm sure in real life she would not have been my friend. But because she's in the book, you get to see her in her life. And you get to see her... As you say, sometimes working out, she's, she, you know, she expects people to be one way and then there's something else. Or you see when she's feeling hurt. And she's a totally, you know, she's a complete stiff up and she, she doesn't yeah. like her emotion. Um, but we're inside her head, so we do see her emotion and we do feel that with her. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I, I, I read the book, the first time I read the book, and I just, I, you know, I thought Nicola was brilliant. And I, and I loved that the complexity of the characters, as you mm. say, people were good and bad. You know, they were mixed. They, and and even the most the characters who are who make the, the the worst choices or do the things that are quite damaging, you get to see them too. You get to see what matters to them and how they tell their own story. Absolutely. Um, come back to that point, but can you remember? Where you first, when you first read it? 
So I think it would have been it would have been very early 80s, 1980s. And I got it from a jumble sale, which is where I got a lot of my books. Yes, me too. Um, yeah. And I was already a big Chalet School fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chalet School books by Elena Brent Dyer. I had lots of them, by no means a complete collection, but I had a lot. And so a book that was called Cricket Term. Um, I loved cricket too, and was set mm-hmm. in school. I was like, clearly, this is I have to have this book. Um, and yeah, I, I, I took it home and I read it, and I, I, as I was expecting something a bit Chalet Schoolish, and I, I love mm-hmm. those books. Um, but this was a very, very different experience, and. I was just completely absorbed from the first page. Yeah, I, I think I, I have a feeling that I read Attic Term first and then I read Cricket Term. Mm. So it was really clear to me when I was reading the books that I was missing out on some information. So, like, I did later read ready-made family which is the one the the adventure story that precedes um cricket term but there are some things that are alluded to so Mm. like the fact that karen the oldest sister has got married uh to someone that the rest of the family doesn't particularly like um that she's now stepmother of two children and that uh, three children and that something happened that could have could mm. have gone really badly wrong, essentially. Yes. But also, yeah, there are new characters in this book that were not in Attic Term. Mm. So I did have to do quite a lot of working things out for myself. But um, yeah, the, the character that really fascinates me and the relationship that really fascinates me is about... The relationship in the first book, there's a three-way friendship between Nicola, Laurie, and a girl called Dahlia, who's known yes. as Tim. Tim. Yes. Um, the headmistress's niece. The headmistress's one. niece, who we, <laughs> she keeps telling everybody. Um, but she is, um, she's a really interesting character, although mm. she kind of ends up being more Laurie's friend Mm. than uh, Nicola's Mm. but then in the first book there's a character called uh well in both books Lois Sanger Mm. Lois Lois? Mm. I don't know her yeah and she she does the dirty on Mm. the twins Mm -hmm. in the first book Mm. Um, but she also saves the day in terms of the play that they are putting on yes so Tim says, oh, well, to me, she's always the person who mm. saved the play. Mm. Although she did do, you know, she was also this person who um, tried she to lied the kibosh. Yeah, yeah, she lied at the Guide Court of Honour. She did. And she, uh, <clears throat> she, and it, that's kind of the legacy of her rivalry with the twins' second oldest sister, um, Rowan, yes, who's kind of the most typical, I think, stiff upper lip public school girl that you you meet in this book. Um, she is Nicola's favourite sister, mm. but that that I found really very interesting that she's not 
and a hundred she's not actually redeemed at the end of the book either yeah. you know she carries yeah. on being this um overly competitive um character who who tries to do the twins out of uh their moment in the sun in other ways yeah it crops up in cricket terms so she yeah. is a game prefect there and um she coaches all the teams that Nicola's form teams Nicola is a cricket captain for her form and she runs practices and so on and Lois coaches all the teams that mm. are going to play Nicola's team and she also has a sort of sneaky thing where she says oh um junior teams which Nicholas team counts out can only practice on the really rubbish pitch behind the library or something. Um, and it's only because somebody else spots it that she has to allow them to practice on, on, on a decent spot. Yes. And, and of course, right at the, you know, the very last part is her desperate to win that match and Nicola defeating her. Um, mm. Although she has a little moment, doesn't she? Right at the end of cricket term, which is the last, almost the last we see of her where they come across each other slightly accidentally and she says, I'm sorry, you know, we seem to have got across each other, which is very <laughs> low-key way of putting what's been happening. And it's maybe it's been rather a pity. Yes. Um, and, and Nicola's left thinking, well, it had been interesting knowing. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. But I love that because people don't, you know, people don't always um, become a true chalet school girl or, no. you know, come, you know, actually apologise to the heroine and, and say everything, you know, I'm very sorry. And now I will, you know, I will always be nice. You know, they do stay difficult. And yes. Because, and if it, if it was a chalet school book, I think Nicola would have probably had to have rescued Lois from a river yes. or something. Mm. Yes, and and uh, you know, and one of and an adult would intervene um, into, you know, and explain things to the the wrong uh, child. But yeah, I think um, yes, I think that is much more true to life. That kind of. I also like it, kind of the fact that in you see a glimpse into Lois's future, mm. where she never shows up at any school reunions. And nobody ever really hears of her again. So that that's also kind of... And, and she's obsessed with the fact that they lose that, that final yes. cricket match and yes. just can't help replaying and replaying. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, you know, in, 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 a, in a way that, of course, is so familiar. You read it and you think, oh, yes, I've done that. Yeah. Just the little tiny thing you would have had to done to, to make it turn out slightly differently. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's uh, yeah. acute. And of course, there's another character in autumn term. So, I mean, in some ways, I think it's interesting. I mean, cricket term does what you said, you know, when you read attic term, it refers to stuff that you have no idea what's going on. And possibly technically that's a flaw. I don't know. But I didn't mind that at all. And I was trying to quite like that sense of stuff going on around. And, and, and I worked some of it out and some of it I never understood until years later. And that's fine. Mm. Yes. Yeah, me too. I think it. I think the one where it is, I mean, I think Attic Term, the final book, is probably my least favourite out of all of them. 
but you do see that Patrick, who starts off as Nicola's friend, is mm. now um, sort of Ginty, one other one of her sister's boyfriends. Mm. And you know that Nicola doesn't have romantic feelings or, you know, sexual feelings for Patrick, but she misses her friend. Yes. And that's, that's I think, really well done. Um, yes. You know, that, that kind of in the past she would have been able to share something with Patrick and mm. now she can't because if she goes mm. over to his house, she knows that Ginger's going to be there and it's mm. going to be a bit awkward and she she's going to know that Patrick doesn't really want her there. And that that's um, yes. that's quite interesting, I think. And, and there's an interesting bit in, I think it's end of term, which is the point when Tim's friendship clearly shifts from Nicola mm-hmm. to Laurie. Um, and Nicola, re- or at the point when Nicola realises that that's what's mm-hmm. happened. And she's brought up very short because usually people actually do prefer her to Laurie. Yes. I, mean, I love the way that the twins have extremely different characters in a very yeah. believable way. Uh, and they're very strong bond with each other, or even though they can drive each other mad. But um, so Tim has has switched to Laurie, and Nicola is left going, "This is yeah. this is a thing." I'm and and she's she's a bit, you know, she has to do some mental re-examination. She has to kind of adjust her world. Um, and I'm always very glad when she, because she then later on she makes friends with Miranda, and that is a friendship that seems to endure, and it's still very much a friendship in cricket term. Uh, and a very important one um, and I'm always very happy for her that she has that but I think it's it's that you know Forrest does put her characters through those very painful situations that you mm. remember when you suddenly think oh I thought this I liked this person and they like me but actually they don't seem to anymore or mm. yeah you know, as, as friendships do shift and that, that, that and that in a way I suppose what matters is them how you react to that and how you um, adjust. Yes. And when, um, when Marie dies. Yes. Well, so that's a big thing. In, well, a, a big thing. Really. Extraordinary chapter in cricket term. Yeah. And the way that, the way that Laurie reacts to that, that, yes. uh, you know, really shocks Nicola in a kind yes. of, she's fairly callous about it all. Yes. And that's because they're, they're all having they have a form discussion about whether they should write to Marie's parents mm. and nobody liked Marie, um, which I think it, it's just so brilliant, isn't it? She doesn't kill off. It's not she doesn't kill off a character that everybody loves. That we, there's no, mm. you know, they're all wrestling with. We didn't like her much and we didn't really miss her, but we're sort of sorry that, you know, we, this wasn't we didn't expect this. We just wanted to go away and be somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and then they wrestle with writing a letter to the, her parents and what they should say yes. and, um, you know, the balance between truth and kindness. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure they necessarily arrive at the right place, but they arrive at a very believable place. And then they go off and they find Laurie. She's been sitting in the tree all the time saying, I don't, I just, I refuse to know about it. I refuse to think about it. This is not, I, you know, if they hadn't told us, we'd never have known. And they all are like, well, that's, that's quite callous, really. But she's absolutely immovable. And then they, they just give up and, and start talking about other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. And it is not, that is not the emotional centre of the book. 
that's something that happens in the book. Mm. Um, I'd mm. love to know why why um, Antonia Forrest did that. Mm. Uh, was is it to demonstrate something about Laurie and how kind of thoroughly self centered she is mm. in many ways? Um, she's got she's got a very one track mind in terms of what she wants and she's going to go for it mm. and kind of, you know, blow everybody else really. And that, yeah. that's just incredible. It is. It's, and she's often successful, but yes. not all, which again, so in, in autumn term, um, she successfully gets, you know, she gets the part she wants. She gets Tim to write the play that they do, the Prince and the Pauper. Mm. And she gets the part she wants and she makes a fantastic success of it. Yeah, I hope she, she does terribly in all her exams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, people see that actually her ambition to be an actress is a real one. And she does make massive progress mm-hmm. across the course of the books. Interestingly, in cricket term, of course, she doesn't have... What she wants is to play Caliban. Yeah, And she goes to great lengths to try and play Caliban when the school, the teacher who's directing the play, wants her to be Ariel. Mm-hmm. Um and ends up giving up the part and they they give her totally misplaced credit for maturity mm. uh when all she was doing was really hoping that if she gave up Ariel she might get Caliban yeah and she doesn't and she that she does do something similar in an earlier book in end of term where she gives up one thing and gets or she thinks that she, as a result she's got the thing that she wants the part that she wants and then this one she doesn't um, and what she does get is the scholarship that Nicola has been has been trying to win, um, which she doesn't want. Nicola wanted. Of course, it means that Nicola can stay at the school because mm. they've got, you know, it, it, from that from the fees point of view, it doesn't matter which of them has the scholarship. Yes. Um, but it is it is that kind of yeah. She, Nicola doesn't do doesn't really doesn't get that thing. Or, but she does have a better term because she does win. Yes. Watching yes. her team win the cricket cup. Yes, and her friendship with Miranda deepens um, yes. as as well um, because she gets and to meet Miranda's dad. Yeah, oh, and that's a really yeah. key key theme, isn't it? Through the whole book, I think, is the importance of friendships and that they do shift, but they're still, you know, the huge importance. That's why she doesn't want to leave Kingscote. She doesn't want to leave because of Miranda, and she mentions in her head when she talks to the sympathetic prefect who, who's the only other person who knows that she might mm. have to leave. Um, she mentions Tim um, and she mentions Esther, of course, who is a, another brilliant Ethan mm. character. Um, probably don't have to go into time to have time to no. go into Esther's history. But, um, you know, she's, she's wants to hold on to those friendships and, uh, you know, Jan, Prefect is is like well you know maybe I'm not sure if lifelong friendships you know how frequently they form but she's not she's not mean about it. you know she doesn't sort of try and say you'll know better when you're older she accepts that this is what's important to Nicola and gives her some very useful advice on what she might do to try and stay at the school um, and it's really clear throughout how important those those relationships are absolutely and um, yeah and um, and uh, you know that brings me on to the relationship between sisters because we've talked about we've talked about um Nicola and Laurie we've mentioned mm. Karen we've mentioned 
Rowan and mm. briefly touched on Jinty, but they are they are such different characters. And e even I mean, Jinty is sometimes a point of view character, yes. but not very often. Um, more in attic term, isn't it? She kind yeah. of gets a bit a bit there. But in cricket term, of course, there's the extraordinary bit where she gives up. No, she's not cast in the play. Mm. And she kind of didn't want to be, but of course she doesn't want to be left out. And then mm. her her best friend gives up her part in the play because of Jinty. And she deals with this whole complex of emotions around feeling she looks, you know, she's she loves that Monica gave up the part for her, yeah. even though she knows she shouldn't. Um and it, of course, it recurs later on uh, in relation when she when she doesn't win the diving cup. And, um, she's a well, very interesting. She's incredibly insecure, very beautiful, yes. very popular, and clearly on this out outside, you know, it's very outgoing, popular, beautiful girl, and she's very, very, very insecure. Yeah, she kind of is. Um, and well, Nicola is is as we've already said is quite honest about with herself and does do a lot of reflection mm. on her own actions. And Jinty seems entirely unable to do that, mm. um, possibly because she is so insecure, because she hints to Monica that she might have ac accidentally on purpose messed up the diving cup so Monica mm. can win, mm. knowing full well that she didn't really. No, she was desperate and, to win. Yes, but she, she, can't, she can't admit it to herself at no. all so yeah that that's i i find her a really such an interesting character and anne i think is so well-meaning she's really annoying and annoys all her siblings she, she annoys i think she annoys um she annoys nicola enormously yes laurie takes advantage of the fact that she's really helpful and rowan and karen i think of course are older uh and they they do stand up for her on a couple of occasions. Mm. Um, but I think it's interesting because um, Anne, I once, I once did a, a paper on um, the Marlows and the Navy mm. and the sort of, you know, naval ideals that they get, get held up and repeatedly Ooh, referenced. Yes, I uh, remember. <laughs> and I pointed out that, you know, People, people say, you know, people point to Rowan and there's a, there's a moment in Cricket Time when someone talks about Rowan and you could always see those, that long, long line of um, uh, naval ancestors all with their happy, happy ships um, behind mm. her. Um, but actually, Anne also, she's total officer qualities. It's really interesting because Forrest shows us Anne at home, who is one kind of a person and is, is you know, she's over helpful. She's over sort mm. of... And then she's she's in the middle, of course, which is an interesting fact in the middle of a very big family. Um, at school, she's much more confident. You know, she yes. um, she runs. She's a she she is unlike Nicola Renori, who get thrown out of guides in the first term and never <laughs> go back. Um, she's a very successful in the guides. She runs she runs her patrol. Uh, I think that's the right word. Um, very successfully, and not by telling everyone what to do. She's very good at, at encouraging them and leave, you know, and giving them space and giving them confidence and yes. teaching them skills. And you know, you look at when if you take out Nicola's, if you, if you take a step back from Nicola's perspective, you look at Anne and go, 
I mean, A, she's a total Charlotte School girl. She'd fit in fantastic. Yeah. There. But also, she'd make a great neighbour officer. As, as would Nicola. Um, yeah. Nicola can't see it, and she certainly can't see that there are ways in which she and Anne are actually quite similar. Yeah. I mean, the way, when they go, when they are in guides, and all of the rest of the guide troop really admire Anne and think she's mm. um, wonderful. And, and so they want like, to be oh, in her group, her patrol, because it's the yeah. best. Yes. And she never um, hogs all the good jobs for herself. Exactly. And that's the thing that Nicola can't stand is that Anne won't let her get on and do her jobs. She's always trying to to, to say, oh, I'll make the beds for you. And it's like, no, it's my job. I'll do it. Of course, Laurie is like, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. And um, um, uh, at the beginning (laughs) of the book, when the mother, their mother says, um, Anne, you're far too, you know, you, you, um, Mm. you do far too much for other people and Anne says but mm. I don't mind and her mum says well I have to mind for you yes. yeah and that that's um a really a really telling thing um so the one of the things that you you wanted to talk about was the intertextuality of the books and this is yes. I think something we can we can also discuss when we talk about the second book, How to Be Brave. Yes. But yeah, yes. so so what what do you what was the bit about the intertextuality that really struck you? Well, I suppose I was thinking about when I first read um Cook It Term, um there's there's mention of quite a lot of books in it, and there's mention mm-hmm. of Nicola's reading right at the beginning. She's reading Ramage, um, which I did read, and The Mask of Apollo, and I'm pretty sure it was Antonio Forrest who introduced them to Mary Renault. Yes, me too. And indeed yes. other, other authors. Um, and I, I, one of the things I loved, which was not something I was used to coming across in books, was that sense of her imaginative life and being formed by the books she read. Mm-hmm. So she's obsessed with the Navy. She reads Hornblower. Hornblower's, I had read Hornblower. It was, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she, she thinks about history, but she also thinks about the characters in the books. Um, mm-hmm right at the end in the climactic cricket match and she's um where well, you know they, they've they've been it's been it's, it's incredibly finely fought and they're right down to the end and she um throws the ball and hits the wicket to get the last wicket and she thinks mr Tallboy as yes. she throws it. Yes. and of course that's a reference to dorothy sayers murder must advertise yes. Yeah. Which has also been referenced right at the beginning of the book when she's talking to Rowan, and Rowan is saying, you know, you the way that people your age can win matches is by good good smart fielding. The Australians don't despise it, neither should you. Um, yes. it was advice that I often felt it would be useful to him for the England cricket team to read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I loved that that, that 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 was there, and it was a the thread. It just emerged incredibly naturally again in yes. Nicola's mind right at that moment and uh, you know Ni- Nicola is one of the characters is part of the furniture in my mind and mm. I love that sense that her mind is also formed in that way that the characters are in there um and yeah so it just it just reference books that you think oh, yeah no I'd like to read that or I have read that that's I so mm. yes I so agree and also her, and her, her love of reading about naval history and about ships in general mm. is where she, um, she mentions an explorer 
in a geography lesson. Is it Hacklitz? Hacklitz, yes. Hacklitz. And sort of uh, confounds her geography teacher, yes. who never imagined that a 13-year-old would know. It. But that comes from her, mm. her extended knowledge through mm. her reading for pleasure, mm. which is mm. what she does. Um, yes. Yeah, I think it was... Um, I do remember re starting to read Dickens after reading Cricket Term because of the books that she's set yes. to read as a punishment for reading right. a restricted text. Yes, that's right. Mask of Apollo, in fact, is yeah. the one that she shouldn't have taken back yes. to school. Um, and Miss Cromwell gives her a reading list. Um, and also, I think there's... Because I had read bits of Dick, not not much... And I, I'm with Nicola because later on I think she realises she much prefers uh, Thackeray to Dickens. Yeah. And I, I'm with her on that. I, I adore the history of Henry Esmond, which she, she also loves. Yes. And I would never, there are, there is some Dickens I like, but I love to. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a, there are some Dickens I like, but I absolutely loathe Our Mutual Friend, which is the one that, yes. no, not Our Mutual Friend. Oliver Twist, I don't like. David Copperfield, I don't like. She's, um, it's, um, oh gosh, I can't Lake remember. House, yeah. Um, oh God, it's, it's the one with that pathetic little child. I can't remember. Little yes. Dorrit. Little Dorrit's what Nicola has to, is it? Nicola? Yeah. Someone dies, but then, you know, that's, that doesn't That's basically that every, far. every book. Um, she, I mean, she, it, did, I don't suppose, because I, one of the books I think that Miss Cromwell asked her to read is, is a Walter Scott. I can't remember if it's yes, Red, Red Gauntlet or Heart of Midlothian. There's a there's a discussion yeah. about it, I think. Um, and I have to admit, although I have read Ivanhoe, yes, I didn't yeah. get on with Scott, and I, it didn't make me think oh, I must go and read Scott. But um, it did make me think I must go and read Mary Renault, and I did. And yes, and one of the was, points that she does make is that um, the protagonist of the, mar uh, the Mask of Apollo yes. is gay. And yes. that, that was quite, I mean, that was massively surprising. Um, and it's, it's a very interestingly handled scene, isn't it? Because Miss Cromwell says, do you know, says to Nicola, do you know why it's limited? And she says, because Nico liked boys better than girls. Yes. Or so I can see that all the battles may be a touch gruesome. Yeah. Miss Cromwell doesn't give her an answer. And, and Nicola internally thinks, yes, I know why. And it is about yeah. homosexuality. And I think it's grotty. And, and what she clearly means is, I think it's grotty that you are limiting it for that reason. Yes. Um, and it's, it, I didn't understand that scene when I first read the book because I hadn't read Mask of Apollo. And it didn't, it sort of made sense, but I didn't really understand them. Yeah. And read Mask of Apollo and then read it again. Um, it just made so much sense. And it's, I think it's brilliant. And it's very understated, but. Um, oh, and of course, there's all the Shakespeare. Indeed. Um, because I don't think I'd read any Shakespeare at the time that I. I read this because I think I was probably about 10. And certainly when I did come to read Shakespeare, there's bits of it that I remembered, particularly The Tempest, that I remembered because of reading this book. Although I had, I had read The Prince and the Pauper 
before yes. I read um, Autumn Terms. Mm -hmm. So I did get, I did know what that was all about. Um, I, I had read The Prince and the Pauper too, but, and I think I, because I was probably a little bit older when I first encountered these and I did, had read some Shakespeare. I don't think I ever studied The Tempest. And to be honest, it's the impression I took away from Cricket Term, which is still one of my clear frames for the tempest. Whenever I've seen it, I remember, you know, the the the, the descriptions of the rehearsals and mm. um, of how the production. I mean, it, it it sounds wildly impressive for a school play. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I never quite believed in it, although people have said have I've, people have said to me, well, actually. If you're at a boarding school, you have way more time for rehearsal than you ever have in a ordinary mm. school. That's so very true. They can achieve yeah. much more polished productions, which I do. I do see as a possibility, but um, obviously we allow a little literary yeah. license for having some some extremely good actors in the school. Yes, and we. I mean, they they also have a theatre as well. It's not like you know. <laughs> Doing it in a, a, in a swimming pool. Yes. They do have a swimming pool, but they, yeah. don't, they don't have to use it for the place. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> um, okay, well, shall we move on to talking about um, Daisy Mae Johnson, who's former, obviously, a former guest on the mm -hmm. podcast, and, and her book, How to Be Brave. Um, so I'll read the blurb on the back. Some stories are about adventure. Some are about heroes, some are about ducks. This one is about all three. Calla North and her mom, Elizabeth, live a life that's far from normal. There are days when the power is cut off and Calla has to do her homework by candlelight. There are others when curious strangers want to talk to Elizabeth about her research on ducks. When Elizabeth says yes to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to save a small brown duck, she sends Calla to the best place she knows, the School of the Good Sisters. Staffed by nuns who prefer, whose preferred subjects include light aircraft maintenance, camouflage skills and cake, lots of cake, Calla is about to discover her bravery and learn that when trouble comes up, there's no better backup than a blessing of nuns. So um, I absolutely loved... Um, that book and um daisy knows boarding school stories back to front and she's really writing from a place of of love but she plays with boarding school story tropes in a way that i just adore i mean what what did you think of that i thought it was enormous fun i really enjoyed it um and, uh, you know, I loved the school. I, I mean, it, just picking up perhaps on the, the intertextuality thing, there's, there's a few mm. references to, to Eva Ibbotson. Um, and of course, um, you know, there's explicitly sort of, well, how would we turn down this thing? We've all read Eva Ibbotson, how would we turn down a trip to the Amazon? Thinking about things like Journey to River Sea. But also, I think it, it, it reminded me as well of some of the, the slightly eccentric schools that crop up in mm. Ibbotson's books. Uh, where you know so the fact that they've learned you know best way to to light light fires or um uh maintain a helicopter or you know these yes. things that that was very that reminded me of, of it so, and in, I yeah I, I love I do love the boarding school setup you know I love that mm -hmm. kind of 
it's it's that closed community, isn't it? Mm. Um, and you put the new character in. <clears throat> the, you know, the new character has has to go to boarding school for whatever reason. Um, and in fact, you get that twice in this book, which is really clever. So you get the doubling of the experience of, of Calloran and also of her mother. Yes. Um, and of the school as, as a safe place. I realised that people I know who actually went to boarding schools mostly didn't necessarily experience them like that. But to me, this fantasy of a, a safe space where, yes, bad things would happen, but mm. ultimately... There, were, there was a containment there and it would be okay and you'd reach, you know, reach some kind of place of, of, of safety and not exactly vindication, but appreciation, you know, that people would be appreciated um, and find, a, find their place in the world um, and their friends um, and, and they would make these very strong friendships that would endure. Yeah, um, you know, and I think she does it brilliantly. That that's all there, and it's there for both Elizabeth and for her daughter. And that's, I think, that's. Mm. Um, I mean, as as well as the chalet school, mm. um, and also you know Eva Ibbotson's books, who I which I and I do know that Daisy is a big fan of Eva Ibbotson, but I think that the book, the school, it reminded me of the most was. Um, the uh, Miss Cattle's Academy in The Worst Witch mm. because of all of the, the references to hidden passageways mm. and, you know, finding out nefarious uh, doings of the head teacher. Um, and, uh, yeah, or that, that kind of the, well, the well-meaningness of colour, but also, you know, the absolute resistance heroine of of um oh yes gosh what well, I can't remember what her name is the, the um, French girl oh, yes I'm just just trying to find um, Edie that's right yeah and she's fantastic I I do love her mm, yes I I thought she was it was hilarious it really mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. um the kind of the her ability to um conduct guerrilla warfare. Uh, against the evil head teacher, it was just mm. marvelous. Um, so yes, I really adored it. Now, the, the, there's a difference in the we've we've said that Nicola is the point of view character for most of of um, Cricket Term. Yes. Although we do also get the point of view of Laurie, and we get the point of view of uh, Jinty a bit. Yeah. But um, the the this is a first person narrative, mm. although it's not told by Kala. And uh, what what did you think was the effect of that? I mean, uh, you know, the footnotes clearly are a joy. But uh, I love footnotes. Um, so yes, yes. I mean, it, it's. It, I think it's interesting. Is it? I mean, some of it, I suppose, is just it, it's is tendencies in the way that we write. I mean, I think. Mm. Before us, she's writing in a, it wouldn't have been, it would have been very unusual for her to choose first person and it wouldn't have allowed her that flexibility to look into everybody's heads. There's something quite clever about, I think, this, this one because it, it, then it gives you that immediacy. Mm -hmm. um, 
but because it's because it's told by the good sister, it's, it just gives you that little bit more. She's got that bit of perspective. She can mm. offer you. So where Calla might be confused about something, she can offer you a little footnote explaining. Mm. And obviously, most of the footnotes are to make you laugh, but they just give you that sense of some of the customs of the world and of the school. Um, so I, I thought it I thought it worked really well actually as a, as a narrative device. I think if it had been straight colour, that might have been too too narrow a yeah. perspective. Um, and I think if it was t- telling it from colour's perspective as well, actually what's happened to colour is really really is quite traumatic. So mm. I don't think there would have been it would have been as possible it wouldn't have been possible to make it funny in the way that Daisy makes, yes. you know, yes, there is mild peril and sometimes more than mild, more than mild yeah. but it's always I, undercut a little bit mm, by mm. the sister. Yeah. And, and of course, Elizabeth goes through something worse mm. in some ways. Um, but the, but the advantage there of the narration, I think is that you have the sense that even though this is really bad and that she's going through a horrible time, there is someone here who cares about her. Yes. Um, and is writing about her with love. And therefore you're given that sense that, okay, she's still around, you know, that relationship's still there. She's able to write all of this. Yeah. So therefore, you know, this is terrible, but she will come through it. Um, I do like the way that the sister tries to, <laughs> tries to hide who she is. But it's so obvious who yeah. is writing. That really, yeah. that made me laugh. And it reminded me of... Um, Oswald Bastable. Oswald Bastable, yes, yes absolutely. A, yeah, yes. I'm not yes. saying who it is, but Os- Oswald you came bet, up you with a forget- brilliant idea. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if you guessed it, who the narrator would be. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's Dead Nesbitt, you know, Nesbitt is, is playing with us too. And, and I, I love, yes, I, I, I very much agree. That's, it's so oh. funny. One of my favourite things, in, one of the reasons why I love reading children's books is I really love reading about food. Mm. And I just love books mm. with, with food in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's what also what I love about one of the things, many things I love about the chalet school is the, the details of the delicious food. The bread twist, cafe and kuchen, yes. the honey cakes. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Apple strudel. Yeah. Yeah. All of yeah. that. So, uh, yeah. I also love the henchman who actually and wants who to is be... redeemed through baking. Yes. He wanted yes. to be a patisserie chef. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's just brilliant. And at any moment can be distracted from security duties by offering to have a quick chat about brioche. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was wonderful. Mm. And mm. so, yeah, the, 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 the many reference, I mean, it's a very, but it's in, it's, in a very English way, because they're talking about things like pink wafer biscuits, yes, and um, and jam, um, rainbow sponge and chocolate custard, yes, um, yeah. which I have to admit reminded me not a completely good way of a, of a pudding that they sometimes gave us at school. But then I'm not a big fan of, of school custard, <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm fully willing to believe that at the Good Sister School it was much better. Yes, well, we had pink custard at my school. We had that too, and with it, and it was very pale, and then there was a darker pink skin on top. Yeah, and it was often a bit powdery. 
the best pudding I thought was jelly in a biscuit. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which used to come with a squirt of artificial cream on top, which oh. I also really liked. I'm sure yeah, that if I ate it now, I would not perhaps think this was the bit of me. Yeah, yeah. We had really nice rice pudding at school as well, which is such a weird rice thing. Rice pudding is the devil's food. Well, I also had jamming, you see. So it was... Semolina with a spoonful of jam. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I, I still like it now. So, yeah, but um, yes, that, that was an absolute joy to me. The, um, and that, the that's for such, and it is, as you say, it's a chalet school thing, but it's, other, it's others as well, isn't it? Angela, um, Brazil, there's yes. lots of food described in those books. And actually, I thought it was interesting because I thought things like The Secret Passages, for me, harked back to some of those earlier school stories. Oh, yeah. So by the time you yeah. get to, you know, Forest, there aren't any secret passages in Kings, at least not that we ever find yes but actually in some of the early you know schools are quite sometimes they're in a castle and it turns out there's a secret passage even in the chalet school actually there's the one where do you remember when they're on the island and they find they fall a hole opens up and they find a passageway and they find a they find a very treasure you know yeah um and i thought that dave was that had to be brave was was kind of playing with some of that as well which worked really well yes good yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, um, Daisy knows her stuff when it comes to Clearly. children, yeah, to girls' school stories. Nice. But yeah, I, th- I thought it worked really well. I mean, one of, I think that what's, it, what another thing that's quite interesting is about the poverty that Elizabeth and Calla are living in. Mm. That's very believable. Mm. Um, very believable indeed mm-hmm. um, and that the, the school seems to be a school where a lot of the girls that go there are a bit troubled in some way mm. it's not mm. a you know it, it's not a school f- that's full of privilege and I, I found that oh. interesting mm. yes yeah. no I, I agree and I think that's that was very attractive wasn't it because yeah. you know much though I've lo- I love many of the boarding school stories you know when you look at them now you can see I mean that I suppose that was part of the appeal of this extraordinary world that you know I, I didn't have anything to do with it, didn't know what it was really like but mm. which I, I think was, is is for me where there is that there's a parallel with fantasy fiction. Mm, mm. To me, there's a lot of similarities with portal portal fantasies. Mm. Because going through the school gates, you're going mm. into a portal to a mm. hidden world mm. that's mm. very different from the world outside the school gates. Mm. And it's totally unobtainable to most people. Yes. So it is like, you know, particularly the chalet schools, because mm-hmm. they were also... You know, might as well have been in fantasy lands at the time I was reading them. I mean, I learned a lot about Austria. Uh, I learned a lot about Austrian, Austrian, um, Austria, the Channel Islands, yes, um, Wales. Well, I knew about Wales. Wales and go down uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then later, little bits of Switzerland. Although I think mm. that the, the Austrian stuff rings most true because, of course, she had actually been to the Tyrol, and that's what 
prompted her in the, in the 20s, which prompted her to start writing the, mm-hmm. the Shelley School books. Yes. Um, and so, yeah. It was a fantasy world. Um, and, the, and even within them, there were further portals. So there was the portal through to this past mm-hmm. um, school and, and, and the detail and the world building. Um, which, you know, if it was a fantasy novel, you'd be completely, oh, yes, you know, we, obviously we don't, must not do it, but it, it's good. People love to know, you know, what, so what was the chalet made of? What was, how did they, what was the food like? Um, mm. And you get all of that because she knows that her readers don't know. Um, yes. And so you, you know how, what the dormitories look like. And I, and I, I once, I wrote a, a chalet school. I mean, this is, you know, when I was about, I don't know, 10 or something. Um, yes, me too. I wrote a Charlie School fanfic, uh, and not that I yeah. knew that it was a fanfic at the time. And of course, I spent eight pages and pages describing the dormitory curtains and the arrangements, because actually that was one of the things that made it so fascinatingly real, was that you knew, okay, mm. never really mentioned of a loo, but aside from that, you kind of know what the, you know, what the buildings look like, you know what, what the physical space is like. Um, mm. And, and the, I the school that. uniforms. Yeah, Absolutely. you learn about the, and you know, even that they get changed uh, in the evening and they, and they wear their evening frocks. I know, and they had e- indoor shoes and outdoor shoes. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That, you yes. know, all, that, all that stuff. And then, of course, within that, so in, I think it's in the second Shelley School book, they go for Christmas in Innsbruck with a, um, with a local family. Mm-hmm. And then you step into yet another world where you find out theoretically at least what it's like to have Christmas with in a traditional Austrian um, family in the 1920s um, yeah yeah they're just and, yeah and had to be brave felt you know I agree it, you, Keller is both Elizabeth and then Keller are taken into this new world and so you're with them you get to experience it you get to see what they're seeing mm. with that slight safe loving distance of the of who is actually telling the story um and it's fascinating. It's a lovely way into a world. Mm. Yeah, I, I gave a copy of the book to my um, my niece, who is probably a little bit young for it right now. She's nine. But mm. I think I hope that she will read it when she's a little bit older and, and will love mm. it. So, yeah. OK. Um, where can people find you and your projects online, Virginia? Um. So I'm Virginia875 on Twitter, um, and I have a live chat, a dream with, sorry, Coughing Bear, which is indeed an Antonio Forest reference. Uh, it's not, I haven't posted a lot there recently, but um, I'm, I am on there. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I just, I suppose a lot of it at the moment, I think my online presence is going to be like you, focused on um on the program for next year so yeah well i will put a link to reclamation um in the um in the show notes so people can come and join us and look out for our announcement in a couple of weeks time yes yes and i do think that for program for next year i'd love us to have a, a few more people and talk about both fantasy and um technically non fantasy boarding schools because i think yes that would be very cool that would be very cool. Quick to the spreadsheet of joy. Let's get it Yay. down. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Virginia. It's been lovely. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you uh, so much. It's been wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me come and talk about one of my favourite books. Yeah.
So, audience, thank you for listening to episode True 8. This really is episode 8. It's not. Yeah, I got confused. I got overly giddy at FantasyCon. Let's put it that way. Of Fantasy Book Swap. You can find us on Twitter at, at Fantasy Squap, Facebook at Fantasy Book Swap, or by email, fantasybookswap at gmail.com. You can subscribe at your favorite podcast places or download from Podbean. And please uh, rate and review. Um, now I am on podcasting places. Thank you to Steve Baker Trails for production assistance and Jack Sadler Johnson for the use of his beautiful track, Bliss. Until next time, bye.